You're listening to episode 38 of The Marketer's Mindset with Brian Burkhardt. Welcome back to The Marketer's Mindset, the podcast where we talk about how to create and sustain a powerful mindset to help you build a successful online business and lead a happy and abundant life. Today's guest is a bright and talented woman that learned that her loud, happy, and rule-breaking attitude was not a good fit to spending her life as an office employee. She tried to make the J-O-B work until one day that call came that would change her life. The call was to inform her that her mom had stage four cancer. Right then, she realized that life was too short and playing it safe was not living. Instead of doing what most people do and say they are going to make a change, she actually took action and hired a career coach. Now that she had a career coach, she still didn't know what she wanted to do other than running her own business. This quest led her on a journey of multiple wrong fit businesses from breaking her back sewing handbags from vintage kimonos, hearing crickets when she tried being an adventure coach, and then gut-wrenching agony at being a copywriter. What she didn't realize was the invaluable knowledge she obtained in the process would be a huge benefit until she found out that the free marketing advice she was giving to her friend helped her friend go from making zero to $4,000 per month. Thus, she had found her superpower. With her straight, no-bullshit attitude and her funny, witty, and clever personality mixed with a few cuss words, this Amy Schumer of business started her company, Evolve and Succeed, where she helps creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, VAs, coaches, and other service people to get booked out months in advance. She believes that selling people What they need instead of what they want is a cock block for your success. Yes, I said cock block. Her words. Not only does she help many business owners get booked out months in advance and grow their business with great content, great copywriting, and effective marketing strategies, she does it all in a fun and creative way. And if not running a successful business was enough, she also is the host of the podcast Brawless on the Couch and Drunk Webinars. Please welcome this woman that calls herself Zany Creative, says her blood is 60% coffee, 30% gin, and only 10% actual blood, who claims she has more caffeine than common sense, a professional swearer, a business alchemist, the defender of creatives, the creator of evolutionary marketing, and someone who is not afraid to put herself out there, Hallie Gray. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh, you are welcome. I'm so glad to have you on the show, and I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you. I almost didn't recognize myself in that intro. I was like, wow, she sounds amazing. Whoa, wait, that's me. (laughs) That's you, yeah. It's funny. You don't realize all the stuff you do until you hear someone repeat it back, and you're like, wow, I've done some pretty cool stuff. Right? It is really great. You should just do that all the time, right? I mean, you do do that all the time, but that was uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Well, it's all real, it's all true, and you deserve it, so... Thanks, buddy. I'm excited to be here. This sounds like this is going to be amazing to talk to people about a lot of the stuff that I had to struggle through and figure out myself. So I'm excited to shortcut for everybody else the struggle. 
And that's the whole idea. I want people to get actionable, take away things that they can go ahead and actually implement. You know, they can finish listening to this and start taking action in their business. And like I said, this is probably going to be a little bit different, more of the mindset side, but I also want to touch on some business strategies and tactics also that people can go ahead and apply. So we'll cover some of that as well. I can't start. Oh, great. Now to start out, how important, Hallie, do you think mindset is in creating successful online business? So I think when it comes to a lot of stuff, we have an unconscious piece of software, our brain, and our mindset is basically the code on it that we need to figure out how it's affecting our performance. And I think that's really crucial because a lot of times people will be like, I can't do this. And then they are like, oh, it didn't work. And it's like, yeah, well, you should have probably realized that you were cock blocking yourself from moving forward by actually making sure that your cognitive thought, like your, your thoughts were actually helping you versus hindering you. Because unfortunately, we're not just robots where we can tell ourselves to do something and then we go and execute it. We've got a whole bunch of baggage and our brain usually stops us from trying to move forward because change is scary and, you know, it tries to stop, it tries to protect us. So it's really important that mindset in terms of like having your thoughts actually be supporting where you want to move forward to with your change and helping you move through that is a hundred percent on top of it. No, I totally agree. And, and that's the thing. I don't think a lot of people align those things and that's where they can kind of struggle when they're starting to do their business. So. Now, did you always have this funny, zany, witty, no bullshit type of personality? Yeah, I've always been this way. Uh, This is just who I am. So I clearly did not work very well in an office setting because it it was definitely not tailored suit appropriate. But uh, I always got the highest open rates when I sent out emails. So take it as you will, Brian. Take it as you will. Yeah, no, that's great. Now, you know, obviously... Some people may not like that type of approach, especially when you start getting into business. I think a lot of people say, all right, I have this personality that I am, but you know what? When it comes to business, I got to be this other person here. Were you afraid to to actually start just being yourself from the get-go or were you just like, this is who I am. It's going to be part of my business. I'm not going to change who I am just to start getting clients and people that don't resonate with me. I guess the beauty of the way that I started a business was that it was very intimate. And so it allowed me to feel comfortable just being myself because I think when you start a business and depending on what kind of business you're starting, if you're starting a massive software company, you know, where you have to employ a hundred people first before you can even start to think of having something to sell, I could see why the pressure would be on to have a more, uh, appropriate, I guess, be more appropriate or say more general formal, like language, but when it comes to me starting my service-based business, it was very much one-to-one and people noticed me and liked me because of what I said and how I said it. And so that was basically positive feedback that I should keep doing it that way. But like most things, I mean, our brains are trained to go forward towards reward and away from pain. So if people had kept telling me like, Hey, you know, you shouldn't talk that way. And it had come from multiple sources over and over again, I probably would have changed it. But Everyone was super supportive and liked me for how I talked about things. So I got a lot of positive feedback from that. That's great. And I think that's such an important lesson. That's what people need to take away is, you know, don't fight who you are. I mean, and I think this is especially with people that start an online business. The Internet is so huge. And, you know, you always hear these people, man, if I only sold 1% of all the people on the internet and they're just trying to blast everybody, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not targeting their market. They're not speaking to a specific audience that resonates with them. So I think it's so important that you just say, hey, I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be true to who I am. And uh, I'm going to attract the people that resonate with me that like what I have. And it's going to be fun for both of us. So I, I commend you on that. That's awesome. Thanks. I mean, I really just talked to somebody like I talked to that my first friend who I helped a lot. And I just translated that into writing and into my business and its marketing. So instead of worrying about what the rest of the internet thinks, because that is a scary, troll-filled dungeon, I instead focused on just one person and writing my emails, my blog posts, my services, all for them. And that helped me just be myself and be comfortable talking the way I talk. Because if you noticed, not a lot of marketers say cock block in their, in their campaigns. But uh, we say it a lot in Evolve and Succeed. We say it a lot. <laughs> Especially coming from a woman, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many women say that term? So. <laughs> no, it's great. And I, I watched a few of your interviews when I was doing the research uh, for the show here. And I was just laughing when you, you came up with that. I was like, oh, my gosh. I think one, even one of the funniest things you said, too, was, uh, you were talking with uh, two women, I forget what show it was, but they were talking about measuring matrix and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you made a reference, yeah, it's like penis size, you know? You know I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this yeah. girl is great. She just, <laughs> it's so relatable, you know? But it, you get the point across with humor, you know? And and I think one of the things too is that, that that's something that makes things stick, you know what I mean? Yep. It goes yep. back to sort of like a storytelling or something that you can relate to instead of the old boring Yes, matrix, you need to measure, they are, you know, all that stuff that doesn't resonate with anybody. Mm-hmm. And then you come along with your little twist and metaphor on it. And it's like, wow, you know, it just makes more sense. And it's something that you're going to remember. Yeah, it's always been the way that I've thought, like, I've taught a lot in all my different previous jobs, rock climbing, horseback riding, uh, karate. And when I was teaching students, these simple skills where it's like, okay, you just punch into the air. Somehow people, there was always somebody who likes found a way to <laughs> get the like get it wrong like the what you needed them to do they always found a way to get it wrong so i spent a lot of time thinking like okay if i just told them how to do it this way maybe i would get a higher rate of completion or success for my students so i'm going to try telling talking to them about it that way and so i would go and start experimenting with the different ways i would explain simple tasks so that people would retain it better and a lot of the times i found it was humor and metaphors that got people to get a higher rate of success because it stayed in their brain longer. Humor, humor is something that people can totally relate to and it makes them notice because they come into a business or a marketing sphere. People are always talking about, you know, the same things basically. And then if you use humor to get them and attract their attention, then people are like, ha whoa, wait, what else is she saying? So it's something that I'm lucky enough to kind of be naturally like, but it also is a really great marketing technique and something that people should be incorporating into their strategy. Yes, exactly. So I think uh, Tony Robbins explains it as like a pattern interrupt, you know, where you just interrupt someone's pattern by, oh, wow, did she just really say that? Yeah, And it exactly. takes them out of the funk, maybe you're thinking about what they're going to have for lunch or something. It's like, whoa, draw that focus back in, man. What yeah. is she talking about here? I thought this was a marketing <laughs> podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, that's- it's really important to always be disrupting people in terms of like what they expect and then saying it in a new way and I try to do it in a way also with the metaphors you want to try to take something that's really complicated and take it and simplify it and apply it to like something that they can relate to so that they can bring it back and then feel like they have experience in it 
And you do that in your uh, written message as well, not just in how you approach things to your you know talks and so forth and videos, but you also incorporate that into your marketing, correct? Yeah, I do. I use it a lot because it helps people retain information and make it feel more accessible. Now, was that something you read somewhere or did you learn it just through experience or how did you come up with that? I just learned it through experience and through being an instructor of these different sort of uh, like sports basically. But by being an instructor of these different areas, I just noticed when students were paying attention because they're very honest when you're seeing somebody face to face and you're like, okay, you need to do this. And then they're clearly glazed over and you're like, all right, well, they're going to die if they don't pay attention. So I definitely (laughs) need to figure out a new way to talk about this. So it was something that I just noticed over time that if you made people laugh and if you talked about it in a way that they could relate to, that you got a higher, yeah, you just got people to pay attention and do what you needed them to do. So it was through more experience than anything. That's awesome. I mean, it's it seems like you're really aware and you paid attention to, to what worked. And I don't think a lot of people do that, you know? You need to be aware of that. And that's, I think humor is so important. One, I think it makes people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And if you can get people to laugh, they just, they lighten up. It makes you more human. And I think it just opens you up for a better learning experience than trying to be all serious and uptight and, you know, humors for a different platform. No, no, no. It, it can be used in all areas. And that's one of the things that I, I liked that when I was looking that we kind of had in common was we both enjoy using humor and making people laugh. Um, we both kind of have some type of sarcastic, sarcastic attitudes sometimes throughout some witty little sarcasms, you know, um, we love to help and inspire others to live on their terms and we're both podcasters. So those were some of the things I was like, I I resonate with this girl. She is cool. She's (laughs) someone I could go hang out at a bar and have beer and, Talk about life, business, and all that crazy stuff. Right? We totally could. I do drink a lot. But uh, for business. For business. (laughs) For business purposes, yes. Yeah, for only business purposes. I save it all up for that. (laughs) Awesome. Now, I know you got a career coach um, early on when you started in your business, which I think is something that a lot of people don't do. I mean, they, they try and do it all on their own. And it looks like you were aware that, hey... I want to start this business thing. You were self-aware to say, I don't have really any business knowledge, but I need someone that's going to coach me and help me and really get a good start. So what was the biggest lesson, Hallie, that that they taught you or the best piece of advice that they shared when you got that first business coach? I guess it was really cool because a career or this career coach was able to guide me through, like make it feel normal and then had a structure in place and a method in place for figuring out what I wanted to do. But the thing that it took me through doing that experience to discover myself was that all those previous, like all those previous avenues of business models that I wanted to do were, I chose them because they were, I was trying to figure out my passion business. And I think that's bullshit because one night stands are great, but (laughs) you're not really, you're not going to be able to maintain one night stands every night of the week. And with a business, it's about consistency. It's a marriage. So you got to make that work for at least five years, guys, at least five years. Five years. <laughs> I've got, you know, divorce rates. Let's talk about divorce rates. But oh. uh, <laughs> businesses don't really last that long. So like the key for me was that I realized after trying all these different business models and like she was a real big proponent of having a passionate business model And I think that's great for some people. But for me, I was like, wow, this is exhausting. Like, I actually don't really enjoy this past doing it once because 
it was a hobby. Like turning a hobby into a business is not what it's cracked up to be. It actually kills the joy of the hobby and, you know, makes it really hard to own a business. So what I found was I actually just needed to do what I found really easy and that I would find really easy to sell. And so that's why I started to narrow in onto this marketing stuff because it was something that I found really easy to do, really easy to understand, um, really easy to pinpoint other people's you know, gaps in their business and their websites and their content and their marketing. And so it was really hard to notice the easy thing because it didn't require struggle. It didn't require a massive amount of like passion or energy. It just required me to be like, oh yeah, hey, this is pretty easy for me to do and it's getting people results and it's easy to sell. Like that's, that's hard to notice because it is so frictionless. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that's the problem is when it comes so easy, you're like, ah, everybody knows this. So yeah. why should I go sell it to somebody? Definitely. That was the biggest thing that came up for me. I was like, oh, well, you know, everybody must know this. It's no big deal. And then I did it for friends while I was experimenting different business models. And it's only until one friend like literally yelled at me that I should do this because she was excited, not because she was angry. She yelled at me that's like, you need to do this for a job. And I was like, eh, we'll see. It's just so easy that it took me to like actually start to notice it and like put it into an actual model. That's great. Now, what did you study to to learn your marketing? Because I love marketing. I've always been fascinated with, and I think um, when I researched, you had some, it looks like you had some studies when you were in college in language and linguistics, right? Yeah. So science and language, basically. So I just think of marketing as the you know experiment to see how you can change up your words and how you talk about something to get an end result. So that's like all the awesomeness of all my plastic science experiments and uh, nerdiness and all my love of language combined into one. So it was an unconventional marketing (laughs) education, but when it came to bringing it online and testing all of these different marketing campaigns and testing all this different like launching, um, it was really useful to have a science background and a language background to use them for my advantage for marketing. Now, was it more intuitive for you or did you study like other websites? Did you take a lot of courses or read books on marketing? How did you get your, your knowledge? Uh, I guess part of it was education from online sources. Ash Amberger, she's great. She's like my favorite when it comes to marketing, especially talking about marketing in a way that was accessible because I had been reading all these old school marketing books where it was so dry and dusty that it just, ugh, you needed a glass of water just to read a page. So I read her stuff and I was like, oh, okay, this is actually something that can be really accessible, that can be talked about in a really fun and easy way. So she was definitely my muse in that sense for like making me realize that this was possible. And then uh, what I did was then take a look at the people around me and what problems they had. And then I just started problem solving, which is one of my skills. And then I put it all together in a sales page and I was able to sell it out within a day. So I think when it comes to marketing, people it's a massive term, right? It's like the same thing as saying design. Like you could design a house and you can design a website and you can design a business card and you can design, you know, a comic book. But, um, when it comes to marketing, like my thing was always, how can I change my words to get the outcome that I want? And so I would just keep testing my words, testing my delivery of the words and kept looking at like trying to get the outcomes I was trying to get, which was to get clients in the beginning. That's great. And and that's what direct marketing is all about. You know, you're you're looking to get a direct result. You're not some big company that's trying to brand yourself and just throw dollars at getting your name out there. It's got to produce results. So 
and I don't think a lot of people get that early on. So I, I commend you for that. That's, that's awesome. Starting your business and realizing that and, and realizing it sounds like if you were a superwoman, which you are, your superpower would be your uh, self-awareness and your, uh, problem solving skills that, you know, there's people out there that have a problem and you're able to recognize it and deliver the proper information that's going to get them results. Thanks. I think it's really, um, I came into business with a experimentation mindset, whereas most people come into business being like, I will be a, you know, Etsy seller. I will be a copywriter. I will be blah, blah, blah. And honestly, that's like the worst thing I see people coming in with is a set fixed mindset about like what they want to do. And then not being comfortable with the fact like, Hey, it's failing. You need to close that shit down and start something new because when people have already decided the outcome, they're just going to use all of the existing data to back up that outcome. And so I've seen a lot of people who clearly had, their businesses were clearly telling them it was not working and they were still pursuing it because that's what they wanted to do. Now, some people, the majority of people close down their businesses after investing way too much after a certain number of years. Some people can push through and persevere, but they're doing it the hard way. Like you can be online providing services making decent money, and by decent money, I mean like 40 to 70K, I don't mean six figures. And it allows you to, like you can do something that you find really easy and do it on your own terms, but it might not be as glamorous as you thought it would be. It might not be, you know, what you originally expected it to be. And I think that flexible mindset is really important because I came in being like, all right, I'm gonna start a business. I don't really care which one I'm doing. It just needs to be like long-term sustainable and create money. And so when I did that, I didn't care that I had to shut down that vintage kimono business, even though I had like a whole bunch of inventory. I didn't mind that I had to shut down, you know, the adventure coaching because these things were not working. And so my commitment to them and my attachment to them was so low that I could move on. But there are people who hold on to them way too tight. And at the end of the day, a business is just a business. It is not a reflection of you as a human being. Well said, but I'm really shocked. I don't know why you wouldn't want to stay in the kimono business. Come on, that's like the dream. Dude, I hate sewing so much. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is no, fun. No, that doesn't like, fit your personality. <laughs> no, no, not unless it's like a uh, sewing machine fight, you know, fight to the death. Oh, yeah, there you go, like a sewing machine off with alcohol involved, and you just yeah, yeah. Ah, nasty. <laughs> Talk trash to the other sewers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Hey, that would be a good show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come up with something there, you know? Like MMA, but with sewing machines. Yeah, and there old you ladies go. with knitting needles. <laughs> That's right. You think, oh, these look so sweet. Whoa, whoa, what did she just do? <laughs> that was vicious. <laughs> <laughs> They're brutal. No, what I think you said there, Hallie, was so important. And I, I want to go over this because I think so many people miss this. And, and it's like you said, a lot of people want to get pigeonholed. I'm a copywriter. I'm a affiliate marketer. Uh, whatever it is, I'm a life coach, whatever it may be. You went into it with an attitude that, hey, I want to start a business. I don't know what it is. You tried a lot of things. You experimented and you took your science background, which I think is huge in marketing. Um, And people don't realize, I don't know, for me, maybe I'm I'm the nerd like you, but I I love the testing and and how you can change a certain word or a phrase that's going to cause someone to take an action. That's going to stir a desire or an emotion in them. I think that's awesome. I mean, I just, it, the psychology behind it, I don't know. I guess that's the nerdy part. I love that stuff. Makes me geek but, out too. Yeah, it's, it's just so cool. But one of the things I think is so cool is 
a lot of people don't know when to give up. You know, they're trying something. How, what would you give as advice? And I know there's no hard rule to say, okay, at this point you give up, but what kind of signs or what should an entrepreneur or an online business person be looking at to say, you know what, this isn't working. I need to switch gears or you know what, this could work, but I need to change my approach. What's your opinion on that? Uh, I think usually there's all points in successful businesses as well as failing businesses where people are like, I should probably close this up and get a day job or start a different job. So the thing is, is that those symptoms don't necessarily mean you have the same problem on your hands. When you look, and this is where I geek out because I've been learning like as part of, I guess, an entrepreneur or business owner or whatever you want to call myself, I've been uh, continually developing myself and adding in new skills. And the latest skill I've had, which I wish I had this whole time, is financial statements, which sound really fucking boring, I know. But the cool thing about them. Yeah, super important. And the cool thing about them is that if you look, uh, and I don't know how long this person might have had their business open, but if you've had your business open for multiple years, it's a coaching business, you've only been making 10K, like your profit level is really, really small, like, you know, 10% tops. That is not good, and that is a point where I would say, okay, you've made 10k, which is great, but you're you're not doing like this is this is not okay. So that's a kind of that's a kind of point where I would say, okay, something needs to change. You either need to like fully commit to it, or like get somebody in to identify what's wrong with it, or it's time to close that down. But generally, what I would say is that if you have tried like actively tried to promote your thing and people are not buying it. So a lot of people say that they have put it out there. They say that they've been working really hard to market it. Usually what they see that being is like going to Facebook groups, maybe doing the douchey thing of direct messaging people on Facebook and be like, you should buy my thing. Or, you know, they've been putting out a lot of, either putting out a lot of crappy content or not talking about their product enough or their service enough. And there's no sales because people don't want to buy it. And either your marketing sucks or your product sucks. So uh, it's a hard question to answer because I could tell if I would like sat down with somebody and be like, this needs to change or this needs to close down. But usually what happens is that you're not making money. Um, and if you're not making money, it's a business that's not going to work. I don't really care how long you've been in it. You need to close that shit down. And if you're putting more money into your business than it's making, then you need to close that shit down. Um, if you have, yeah, I mean, there's just so many different ways that people avoid or are in denial. And the thing is, is that the expectations in certain, when you've been following certain people haven't been set correctly. And I think it's important to qualify your advice, which is why I struggled with that question. But, uh, online, a lot of people don't talk about how businesses need money to generate money. And I think that's because we have this idea of you can come on, create a website for $12 using Squarespace, um, and then you can just pop that stuff up and start making income. And that's true. You can. That's really possible. But a lot of growing businesses require capital to keep creating money. So they require money being invested into them to keep creating money. Like a baby needs you know, food to grow all their bones and stuff. So... Uh, that's something that isn't really addressed a lot. And so I think a lot of people keep investing more and more money into their business, not understanding when they should have a return on it. And so it's kind of like a never ending black hole. And I would say that if that's the case for you, you need to try something new, either with your marketing or your services or your business entirely needs to change. And that's something that you need to be flexible about and test and have like a system to test it. So 
Sorry, Brian, but I could rant about that for ages, and I'm not really sure I answered your question. <laughs> no, you, you did. And, and like I said, it was a hard question. It wasn't anything that had set points A, B, C, or one, two, three, or anything to it. But I just wanted you to share that advice that you said there, because one of the things that I pulled out of it that I think is important is, you know, when you start a business or you develop a product or something like that, it's your baby. So a lot of people get so emotionally attached and I, I like your attitude where it's more like, you know what? This is a business. I created this, yes, but if it isn't working and it's not solving a problem for my clients or my audience, I need to get rid of that damn thing. That, that's a waste of time and money to keep pumping advertising dollars into it and, and doing whatever because it's not resonating and solving the problem. So taking out that emotion and just saying, hey, look at the numbers. The numbers aren't going to lie. Like you said, it's either my product or service, or it could be my marketing message, but you need to test it and find out. And if you test both and they're not working, then there's a time where you need to say, all right, that's it. We're jumping ship, man. This is, this shit ain't working. You yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of mar business advice online is like, is like dieting advice, right? But this dieting oh, yeah. advice is like, eat brownies every day and you'll become skinny. <laughs> a lot of it is like yep. that, you know, like start a business and you'll make six figures in the first year. No, push no, button millions. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Passive income will make you money while you poop. Um, <laughs> there uh, <okay>. you go. <laughs> so I think the thing is that, you know, if it doesn't, because if, it, if it's just one person running a business and it doesn't feel long-term sustainable because you're getting burnt out in the first couple months, close that shit down. Because a business is a marathon and you need to be able to consistently or at least semi-consistently show up to, to get people results. And if you can't do that in the first couple of months, like you're going to end up burning yourself out and that needs to close down and kill your babies. Sorry. Kill your babies. That's it. Yeah. Throw the bath out with the, ba what was it? The baby out with the bath water, whatever, something like that. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like that. I don't, I don't know much about babies. Oh no. <laughs> I got three, but they're no longer babies. So <laughs> Phew, we don't need to worry about their bath time. Awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. They're old enough to be themselves now. And they can take care of that. And if they don't want to, then that's their issue. <laughs> Evolution. That's right. I love it. No, no, that's uh, that's so true on there. And I think one of the things that w w impresses me when doing the research, like I said, I, I love you were so knowledgeable on there, Hallie, the, your marketing and stuff. It seems like it, it, it came easy to you because I think you just have that skill. I know you put a lot of time into it. It's not something you just woke up with. You you did your research. Um, I know you've tested and, and so forth. So I to me, I think self-awareness is a huge thing that people need to, to know, that you need to know your strengths and you need to know your weaknesses. Now I want to ask you, because there's a lot of controversy, and I, I don't know if I should say controversy, but it goes back to that passion question. Mm -hmm. You have a ton of people say, follow your passion, follow your passion. And then you've got... Um, Mike Grove from Dirty Jobs. Passion is bullshit. Don't follow it. I know ditch diggers that are happy and making, you know. Mm -hmm. So you got to those two sides. And I think it comes with um, what I'm trying to talk about here with uh, self-awareness and stuff too is that some people say, all right, you got to start bringing up your strengths or, or excuse me, your weaknesses. You got to find out what your weakness is and work on them and improve them and all other stuff. And then there's that other school of thought that, you know what, focus on your strengths. What comes easy and natural to you? Because otherwise, you're just going to have a bunch of average weaknesses if you try and bring them all up. What's your thoughts on that? Should you focus more on your strengths or should you also do a balance where, hey, 
I need to get these weaknesses brought up. I mean, let's talk about Mike Rowe for a second, though, because that guy is awesome. He is yes. amazing. I, I like Mike. He just seems like an amazing dude. Does he? <laughs> yeah. Hang out with, like I said, with a beer and just yeah. chat with him, man. He seems like an ultimate sweetheart. And I think when I talk to more and more people, the thing is, is that there are certain people who are attracted to owning a business. They're attracted to the challenge of owning the business. They're attracted to the financial gains of owning a business. Not all of those people become business owners because it is really freaking hard and it is demanding and it is going to put you through the ringer and you are going to invest a lot of money in it that will keep you up late at night. Um, so it's kind of like people who are really into adrenaline, like adrenaline junkies. That's kind of a lot yes. of business owners I see. If you are happy with a job, like a day job, then that's awesome because that require that's a consistency thing that you can't necessarily get with a business. And so it has its own advantages. And I think Mike is right in the sense that like, don't follow your passion, but that applies to pretty much any industry because passion will expire. It always will expire. And so the same way a fad diet is easy to follow the first couple of weeks after the week three, you're like, okay, fuck this shit. I can't deal anymore. And so a business requires you to keep going past week three. So figure out what you can do on a consistent basis and then go for it. And then what I would say is do your strengths. Your brain is a unique commodity that nobody else has and can see the world in a way that nobody else can. And so as much as I love developing my own weaknesses, at the end of the day, doing something that is inside of your strengths will allow it to be a lot easier, feel less like a struggle, and allow you to also provide the best possible service or product because I'm all about self-improvement, but at the end of the day, your weakness will always be your weakness. Like me doing a chin-up, you shouldn't put me in a chin-up contest. I'm just never going to win. It'll be fun to watch, but I'm just never going to win. So I would prefer people to win. So I would not, the chin up people, I'm going to put in the chin up contest and have them duel it out. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think strengths are just where people should focus and then they should work on developing their, uh, their weaker stuff in their free time. Right. Or else get people hire or, or get outsourcers to help you in areas that you're weak at, you know, that you're not the best at and you don't really care about doing. Definitely create a hive mind. Yes. Get yourself a good network and a good team. Mm. Speaking of that, do you have a good sized team or what's your, what's your business look like? Uh, so on the inside of Evolve and Succeed, we've got a PM, uh, one of our full-time uh, VAs, virtual assistants. And then we've got a whole bunch of other like specialist contractors, a designer, a Pinterest VA, um, a couple other people we pull in to help out. And so we, that's how we structure it. And I wish I had hired a PM before hiring a virtual assistant. That's something that a lot of people don't talk about online. They always talk about how you should have a virtual assistant first. Right. But my brain is not set up for project management. So I would highly recommend doing that first if that's your how you, if that's a weakness of yours. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And like you said, a lot of people look at, all right, I need to get a VA to help me do X, Y, and Z. But yeah, if you're not good at organizing and, and planning all that stuff out, that's definitely a good move. And it goes back to self-awareness, you know, knowing what your strengths are and, and where you really should have help and where to begin at that's going to have the, the biggest impact for your business. Definitely, yeah. And that can be hard to understand. Yes, it takes time. Now, I saw in a blog interview you did with uh, the Female Entrepreneur Association and it said where you had one of the biggest challenges of running a business, and I think this was probably in the beginning when you started out, um, was self-doubt. So yeah. I want to talk to you on there, Hallie. How do you deal with 
self-doubt that creeps in. Like say you're, you want to start a new product or you're going to launch something, you know, and you get that negative mind chatter. And, and I always talk about this with some friends. I'm like, sometimes you're like so pumped up. You got a project you're working on and you feel great. And you're like, this is going to be awesome. I'm excited about it. I did the research. I did the time. You go to bed, you wake up, what, eight hours later, six hours later. Yeah. And you start having this self-doubt and you're like, what the hell happened? I just went to bed. Nothing else changed. <laughs> and now I woke up and now I got this doubt and will this work? Where did this come from? How do you deal with that that pops up and creeps in? Well, not well. Uh, not well, Brian. <laughs> not well. I love uh, it, the honesty. <laughs> I think the thing is, the thing that I've tried to separate as much as possible in my business, especially after having that experience with the passion mindset, mm-hmm. is I was like, look, feelings are going to fuck you over. They definitely will try to lead you astray and they will be like false. They'll be like false positives, right? They'll tell you like, you've got cancer when you don't have cancer. So what I find with self-doubt is that it usually comes up when you're stretching yourself the furthest. Like when you are starting a business from scratch, a lot of self-doubt will come up. And so my best way of dealing with it is to just let it happen. And then I also usually will be like, you know what? Fuck it. The only way I can tell if this is going to work is by actually testing it. And so that's why that experimentation perspective for me was so important because I was like, mm, yeah, you're right. This might not work, but screw you brain. I'm going to try it anyway. And so that's why I just kept moving forward with action. I think if you focus on feelings too much, which a lot of people do online, I've noticed is that they're like, I really want to feel great about this business. I want to feel pumped. And then they like try to focus on feeling pumped when they're trying all these new scary things. Um, it's, it's just going to be, it's just going to deflate them and decrease their persistence, which they really need. It's like going on the Oregon trail, right? Those people didn't know how long they would be going out there for. And sometimes they would have like, by the end of the trip, they would have had, uh, you know, multiple spouses. So it's at this point where an adventure, which a business is, is scary and challenging and exciting and adrenaline filled, but you're going to be full of self-doubt at some point because you're pushing yourself past a point of comfort that you're trying to do to get new results. So for me per- personally, all I had to do is like, you know, talk to somebody that uh, I talked to my boyfriend, Luke, and I was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. He's like, hey, you're really good at this. You should just keep going. And I was like, great. Thank you very much. Um, so it helps to have somebody who has an outside perspective and won't bullshit you and be like, yeah, no, you're actually really good at this. You should keep going. Um, and so self-doubt really is just a, an awesome indicator that you are going in a whole new brave direction on an amazing adventure and that you are aware of yourself and not super cocky to the point that you're just going to leap off that cliff without checking. Right. No, I mean, that's, that's so important on there. And I'm sure you deal the same way with fear then that fear that creeps in. It's kind of another form of self doubt. You're afraid that this isn't going to work or obviously you don't have the issue of afraid of what people are going to think. I'm sure. Um, well, you might have some come in, but I, but you, you seem so confident in that area. So I don't think that's one of your biggest things. But one of the things I, I've learned from talking with uh, and interviewing a few different people is that they use fear instead of holding them back. The ones that are successful use the fear to push themselves forward. Mm. And what I mean by that is they'll look at it and they look at more of the fear of loss. Like if I don't do this, I don't want to look back and regret in five years that I didn't put myself out there or I didn't try this or that. Instead of saying, oh, if this doesn't work and looking at that aspect of fear. So I thought it was pretty interesting. So one of the things I talked about, I did a little podcast just by myself and I said, you know, 
people are wrong. You know, you got to take fear and you got to look at it as either something to avoid or something to push you forward. You're never going to get rid of it totally, but if you use it in the proper way, it can be something that's going to rocket you into success or push you in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, I think unconscious fear is probably the most detrimental because I think people sometimes think they're give themselves excuses like, Oh, I'm, I'm just doing this cause I'm financially cons- you know, conservative. And it's like, yeah, okay, you are. But again, you might need to be investing a lot of money for this to work. So now you're just in a weird purgatory because you haven't addressed the fact that you're actually afraid of this financial loss, which long-term perspective, it probably is not a big deal. I find with fear, I mean, I, I, I am human. I know that seems kind of weird. It seems like what? I'm just, I know, I know. It's, I didn't it's, read that in any of this stuff when I researched you. It's the big reveal, Brian, the big reveal. Oh, it was here. You guys heard it first on the marketer's mindset. <laughs> right? It just seems Forget like. that Trump news. We got better news than stuff on Trump. Hallie is a human, not a robot. Read I know, it's that. so confusing. That. <laughs> because it seems like I'm just a gin drinking robot, but. I got the fear. Uh, I get the fear. Um, And I think the thing is, is that it really, what's really helped me is getting people who have seen a lot of businesses come through, especially who have, like for me, the big moment where I I felt a shit ton more confidence was I actually sat down and was like, okay, worst case scenario, what's this going to look like if I fail? And I was like, eh, it's just going to be money. Like at the end of the day, it's not that big a deal. And so for me to have like recognize that, address it, and then actually be comfortable with the outcome and be like, okay, I'm cool with taking that on is something that I think a lot of people don't do. And I think that's easy because like I always, I'm afraid of uh, sharks, even though I wanted to be a marine biologist who studied them. I know it's really? another episode for another day, Brian. <laughs> wow. You're definitely coming back then. We're talking about that. <laughs> We'll have to have a couch, though, for that. You'll have to lay down. Yeah, I might have to lay down on the couch and talk about it. That's going to be a long episode. There's a lot of stuff there. But uh, (laughs) so what happened is that, like, when I got into the ocean every time, instantly my brain would go to the outcome or to the thing that I'm afraid of, right, which is getting bitten by a shark. Um, And then instead of addressing the outcome, like, all right, either I die, I get a prosthetic leg, uh, (laughs) I look really cool. I get a book deal, you know, like all of these different outcomes. Or an awesome scar. Awesome scar. You know, dudes love scars on ladies, I hear. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing like looking like you've been through a meat grinder. To, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I was like, but your brain will always take you back to that moment of fear instead of using your rational brain to be like, what is the outcome I'm really worried about? What is the statistic probability of that happening? Like shark attacks not really that big of a deal, uh, especially compared to like my, you know, likelihood of being in a car crash, but your brain will always focus on that thing where it thinks your survival is at its most delicate and most precarious. And then it will focus on that because it doesn't want that to happen. So if you can use your rational brain, if you can use stats, if you can take a step back, which is really hard and try to be a robot like me and, uh, <laughs> That's going to be your new training course. <laughs> right, right. Be a robot. <laughs> uh, yeah, so th- I think that's something that a lot of people don't address with their fear is that your fear is a totally legitimate and rational response to something that's scary. And so you just need to kind of plot it out and figure out what it will look like at the outcome and if you're willing to take that risk. Now, have you noticed that when you did push through and actually did it that what you thought 
how bad it was going to be or all the scary stuff that was going to happen really didn't happen and it wasn't as bad as you made it out to be in your head? Uh, yeah, like sometimes I failed and I was like, oh, okay, this is what failure looks like. It sucks. It kind of sucks. And then sometimes I succeeded and I was like, oh, that's awesome. But now I have a new mountain peak that I need to go to. So I don't have time to savor the success because I want to get that one now. So right. it's kind of like, have you ever seen people jump off cliffs? Oh, yeah. You know, like the people didn't start jumping off the massive cliff the first time. They started jumping off the tiny cliffs into the water. And then mm-hmm. that is scary because if you actually think about it too much, you're like, holy shit, there's rocks down there. I'm a fragile meat bag. How am I going to survive this? And, and then, it might be sharks. <laughs> it might be sharks in the river. In the river, Brian. There might be river sharks. Yeah, you know, there's river sharks. You didn't see that documentary uh, they had? I saw it. This, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, they're real tiny, though. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> they, 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 they can't even get a toe in their mouth. You're fine. I need all 10, Brian. I need all 10 toes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, your brain will find ways to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back this train up. You are not going in there. Look at all these possible dangers. And so, sometimes it t- it's important to take a break, assess the likelihood of danger or risk, and then just fucking look away and then just throw yourself off the cliff. Because otherwise, your brain will totally kick in and immobilize you because that's its job. Basically, yes. success is just trying to find ways around your brain cock blocking you for your own protection. So if I can give you any advice, just don't listen to your brain. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's so true, though. It, it comes down to that. It's so funny. It, we're not our brains are designed in that little voice there to protect us. Mm-hmm. But it's like an overprotective mother or father. It just like stops you from trying to do so many things. And if I think if you just like you said smartly look at it. Is there a real danger or am I making up this? What's the worst that could happen? You know? And if you know those, go ahead and do it. Cause it's most likely not going to be as bad as you thought. You're going to expand. You're going to grow from the experience. And if you're smart enough, you're going to look at it and learn from whatever you so-called failure and which is basically just a learning experience, you know? Exactly. And I think so. that's really important for a life well lived. Exactly. Not just in business, but for life. Now, do you have coaches now currently, Hallie? And do you have like networking groups or things like that that you're still involved in? Uh, No, it's kind of weird. I really like hiring specific specialists, even though I'm a big proponent of coaching to help you get somewhere. And I've worked a lot Uh of, I've taught a lot, like worked, had a lot of clients as a coach. I've always wanted to hire specialists. So I actually hire people either to help me accomplish something because I don't have the skills or teach me something because I don't have the skills. So my recent, my recent um, person that I hired to, I worked with him was a dude who was a financial advisor for uh, like for a bank. And he taught me how to read financial statements and like the importance of them. He was known as the dream killer, which is why I hired him. Cause I was like, excellent. Ooh. You're not going to bullshit me. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Tell it like it is. Give you the real deal. Yeah. He said, basically don't start a brewery. So I'm passing that on to you. And- oh, all right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm making a note here. Do not start. How do you spell brewery? No, <laughs> I don't know. I just, all I heard was beer. And I was like, what? There you go. Don't start a beer place. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I just hire people to teach me skills or to help me with skills. Cause, uh, I, I think mindset's really important for a lot of people, but I already have like a system in place that I have for dealing with mindset, for dealing with that. And I talk to a lot of people. I have a lot of friends in the sphere and I gather a lot of data from what they're doing. And so I like to experiment. I'm kind of a rebel 
at the core. So as much as I'd like to hire someone to tell me what to do, inevitably it'd be a, a uh, tug of war, like a puppy with a dog toy. So <laughs> I just end up hiring people to teach me stuff that's specific or help me specifically. What were the, the three biggest things that you learned, like from people that you hired that really helped your business? Okay. Uh, don't start a passion business. Um, long-term, uh, businesses, financial troubles with businesses or being worried about your finances or money with your business is totally normal. Um, and that profit is really the most important metric you should be tracking, even though revenue is way sexier. Yes, definitely. Now, a lot of people take their business and themselves too serious. Um, and I see you interject a lot of fun and humor into your stuff. And I assume probably you, you inject that into your clients or encourage them if they're, if they have that type of personality, how important do you feel that humor is in business? I think it's very important. And I think it's important because humor is actually formulaic. Like the human brain is pretty irrational and illogical, but when it comes to humor, there's a pretty good formula for it. So you can actually use it over and over again to get it into your business. Now, for some people, it's hard, so I don't recommend it necessarily. They might be really good at doing like thorough posts, so they should do that thorough writing and stuff. But for me, humor is basically taking what people expect and their expectations and uh, like the words they expect you to say, the things they expect you to say, what's on their mind, and then finding a way to surprise them. Humor is just being surprised, really, because you expect something and then somebody gives you a piece of data that is outside of the norm and your brain's like, ha, 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 that tickles. And then <laughs> that's how, what makes it funny, right? So right. if you choose different words, if you choose different metaphors, if you choose different like uh, ways to talk about things, that's when humor, that's what humor is. So I think it's really important specifically for Evolve and Succeed, and I would totally recommend other people to experiment in their campaigns trying a funny campaign versus a, you know, serious campaign or their standard campaign and seeing what their conversion rate is. Cause we see higher conversion rates with funny campaigns than we do with like serious campaigns. So we are definitely testing it to make sure that we're, you know, on the right track, but people love laughing. Like they love to have fun doing hard stuff. And like, if your adventure is both fun and scary and terrifying, you're more likely to be like, that was satisfying. But if it's just scary, you're more likely to be like, I'm just going to go back east because that seems like not worth it. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's true. And, and that's the thing. I, I love it because I think so many people want to separate it. It's like, ah, funny. Oh, that's for the movies or hanging out with my friends or something like that. But no, I mean, it, it needs to be in business because it needs to be enjoyable. And a lot of people like humor. Even if they're not funny, yeah. people still like to laugh. You know, so you don't have to be super stand up comedian type of thing but if you have a little maybe sarcasm or some you throw out some witty lines use that in your your marketing in your approach i think and i think it's powerful definitely and i think the thing that gets people cock blocked in their own mind is that they actually when you're in a corporate environment people talk for like they talk formal they also use a lot of formal industry specific jargon and was Cockblock one of them or is that yours? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't, I still can't figure that out. Nobody would say it with me. So I think I <laughs> might be me, might be me. Did you ever hear that drinking game uh, they used to do with um, the New Heart show or something like that? Whenever yeah. they go, hi, Bob. 
It was in the, I'm old, so you, <laughs> you wouldn't know this youngster. But it was a show, I think it was a Newhart show. And every time, you know, all his friends would go, hi, Bob. Anytime they said, hi, Bob, you had to take a drink. Really? So I think we could probably go through this episode and every time you said cock block, take a drink, that people would be a little tipsy by the end. Oh, man, they would. They really would. And uh, their poor liver, not going to be better for oh, yeah. it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think that's the thing, though, is that, right, that will stick out in people's mind. They'll be like, whoa, either they'll like it or they'll be like, okay, I need to turn this girl off. And right. so that's cool. That's fine. But when you're in an office, what I notice is that people are dead inside and they always talk dead inside. And that's the standard professional, air quotes, language where like there's a cognitive bias to think that somebody is more professional, more serious, smarter when they use big jargon words instead of being like talking about it simple because, and that's bullshit because just like Einstein said, if you can talk, take a complex idea and turn it into a simple way to convey it and understand it, then you know it really well. And so I think a lot of people try to talk real fancy and complicated to have an air of expertise to them, but it's bullshit because if you can't explain it simply, then you really don't understand it very well. So, yeah, I don't know where I was going that, but I was ranting away. So, rant no, it's because I interrupted you with my little story. Oh, no, I like the story. That was great. <laughs> and now I hope it is turned into a drinking game. <laughs> there you go. Maybe we can start something there. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to switch gears a little bit here. I got a couple questions that I want to ask you here. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been talking a lot about mindset and stuff for the business because basically that's what the show's about. But what are a couple things that you could share with the audience? Because they're all online entrepreneurs, business owners, coaches, authors, whatever they, their type of business is. What is some business advice other than what we kind of talked about, don't follow your passion and stuff like that. But what would you do? especially for the people that are struggling, they're trying to start and they don't know where to start or they're, they're doing it, but you know, they're not quite making the money that they want or they're trying to leave that job and go full time, but they're not quite there financially yet where they can do that. What are a couple, two, three things of advice that you could share on that as a business aspect or a business strategy? Okay. So I'd say keep an experimentation mindset or perspective. This is not you don't know the outcome yet. You're actually just testing different like vaccines to see which one will actually fix your disease, which is working at a day job. Day jobs are great, by the way, but it just, I, they're not my jam. If they're for you. Yeah. Yeah. If they're for you. Um, so keep an, like a experimental mindset for your business open. Um, make sure that what you're doing, like, so when you're looking at your audience size, the thing is, is that a lot of people talk about courses Focus on services first if you're trying to escape and make a decent income because it's got a lower barrier, lower investment, higher return, good profit margin, um, and it allows you to basically start replacing your you know full income pretty easily, pretty quickly. A lot of people say to go with courses. I disagree. Courses are actually going to end up kind of suffocating your business pretty quickly because they were like they require a large audience. And they'll give you maybe a one-off good return, but they won't give you a consistent income over and over again without a large amount of risk and inherent um, inherent amount of pro like money you need to put into them. I'd also say your business succeeding, if you're not doing, like so marketing is 75% or business is 75% marketing, I find. So what yes. I would say is, right? And uh, luckily enough, my brain is geared for that. 
But if your brain isn't geared for it, get somebody in to help you with it because you need to set that up pretty quickly to test to see if your services or products are actually worthwhile. There's no way to know if what you're selling is actually sellable until you get a marketing person in to help you set that up so that you're talking about it the right way. It's kind of like going on a date if you're, or going onto Tinder or whatever dating thing you use and being like, if you don't have that profile set up well, you're not going to get enough dates to see if like, you know, to see, to actually make it worthwhile, right? So marketing's like your dating profile. You got to make sure it's set up right. Got it. No, it's so powerful. And and that's one of the things that I like too is marketing. I think it's, it's awesome. It's fascinating. And just the psychology, like we said, just getting someone to take an action or to do something based on your words, whether it's in a video or written or whatever, I think it's just powerful, you know, get your message across. Now, how does one go about, um, Hallie, um, avoiding the shiny object syndrome that everybody faces, especially online when you get a ton of emails every day about the newest, greatest woohoo that's out there or whatever? Yeah. So what I would say is qualify the advice. So is it actually meant for someone who is doing what you're doing or trying to achieve what you're doing? Everybody wants different things. And I think sometimes the internet gets a bit generic because they're talking to more people. So are they trying to help you you know, get booked out. That's what I do as a freelancer. Are they helping you to actually start up a software company? Are they helping you to actually, you know, uh, create a consulting firm? What, are they somebody who's an expert in that? And can they help you actually achieve that goal? Because I think when I get all those emails, I'm like, whoa, this is amazing. And then as I start to dig, I'm like, oh, actually, no, they're just trying to help like one specific small set of this. So if I had applied that advice to my business, it would have actually tanked or it wouldn't have had a return like this. So qualifying that advice is really important first and then testing it for your business. Every business is fairly unique. So in the sense that it's got a perspective, every business is unique in the fact that it's coming from a different perspective. Business itself is not, you know, it's not brain surgery, but you want to make sure that you're still applying it to your business in a way that makes sense and keeps it on the same road. I mean, businesses really are like boats, right? With sailboats, you can't go in a straight line upwind. You have to actually tack and jibe. So you got to go back and forth and zigzag. And so your business will have different variations and it won't be able to go directly from A to B. So just be comfortable with that experimentation and moving from different points because that's realistic and that's what actually happens. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Now, yeah, I'm going to have one uh, final question here for you. But before I do, where can my peeps find you online? Where's the best way to uh, connect with you? So we're, I'm over at EvolveAndSucceed.com. Um, and there is a link that I've given Brian that will take you through the Be Booked Out five-day challenge, which basically will take you through the five, five days if you're a freelancer, a designer, a coach, a VA, on the five things that are basically holding you back right now when it comes to your business, five key points that are getting you cock-blocked. So it's really quick. It's really easy. It's got tons of swears in it. So just letting you know if you're swear uh, allergic. And uh, yeah, so I would recommend signing up. You don't up have a app. non-swear version? I, d- I was thinking about making one, but I was like, ah, then they're going to go in and the rest of everything has swears everywhere. So it, yeah. it's a racy, it's a racy uh, challenge. Just block it out with just black over it like a black highlighter. So then you read, <laughs> oh, that's a bad word. Right? I know. It's hard because this is how I talk. And some people can't get past how I talk to actually access the information. So it's up to them what they value, I guess. Right. And like we said, we don't, we're not trying to be everything to everybody. That's the, 
the formula for failure there. <laughs> Definitely. You know. Now on this, uh, Hallie, the Be Booked Out Challenge is it uh, a video training? Is it video and PDFs? How did, how would someone go through that? Cool. So it's a uh, two emails, one uh, one hitting you up about where you're getting stuck, and one helping you with the mindset aspect of it, which is like, hey, this is your perspective. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. Right. I know. So fortuitous. <laughs> So it helps you with both of those things over the five days. And there's videos that you can go and watch that will take you through it a bit more and explain a bit more why that is so important and what's the deal. So cool. Well, we're going to have that linked up in the show notes so everybody can go there. And I highly, highly recommend that you take Hallie up on that offer because I think I'm going to go ahead and do the challenge as well. I know it would be good for me in my business. So cool. But everybody definitely checked it out. Now, I, I have to confess, I think I lied to you, Hallie. I got probably two more questions for okay. you. Okay, hit me. Two more, if you can handle it. I can totally handle it. I can talk all day, as you can tell. <laughs> well, I want to get back to kind of a business tactic here. Or, well, you know, your advice on it. There's so many people out there that say, all right, social media is where you need to be. You need to have... YouTube videos. You need to be tweeting. You need to be on Instagram. You got to have a Pinterest account. What is your advice on what people should do and what do you think are some of the good platforms, and I, I'm sure it depends on someone's business and what they're doing, but some of the good social media platforms that you think maybe someone should either focus on or should begin with for their business? So two different things. When you're trying to get clients one-to-one -one interaction, like in a Facebook group and Twitter is going to be always more exponentially more powerful and more, and give you a higher conversion rate than just putting stuff up on social media. If you're trying to grow an audience base so that you can sell a, like sell at a mat at a larger scale. So you're selling a pro like a software or, um, or a course or digital products or whatever, then you do need that larger audience. So you need to then compete with more and more content on social media so that you can get more and more people into your business. So I would say like, if you're, whatever your end goal is, treat social media appropriately. A social media can be like a epic black hole that you never come out of because you're just Facebook scrolling. But if you use it strategically, then I definitely would recommend that. Uh, my favorite person to actually follow for social media is Caitlin Batcher. She's someone that I would trust implicitly when it comes to social media advice because it's his own game. It's his own strategy. Um, and I would definitely recommend following experts who do that really well. When it comes to social media, I've always built it on one-to-one -one interaction for my, for like my coaching business. And for the larger scale that we're getting now with our Be Booked Out program, we're going actually into Facebook ads. So oh, okay. Facebook ads is where we're going with it, as well as Instagram ads. And Pinterest is actually the one that for targeting – VAs, designers, coaches, business owners of that sort, that's where they're hanging out a lot. And that's where you're going to get a really good return and have a lot more control. Um, but if you're going for like a corporate kind of person, LinkedIn, of course, is where most people hang out for that sort of thing. So it just depends on where your person is and where they hang out the most. For our business in particular, it's Facebook ads and Instagram ads and Pinterest and Twitter, actually. There's a lot of them, sorry. So we, we do a lot of testing. And so the social media that we get the biggest return from changes. And so it really just depends on who you're trying to target. But I would recommend Twitter if you're going to hit people up who have been in business for a while and pretty tech savvy. Um, Facebook for somebody who's maybe pretty new to business and looking to get into Facebook groups to start creating one-on-one -on -one connections. 
And then LinkedIn is really great if you're going for more corporate um, consulting gigs. Perfect. I appreciate you breaking those down. That's awesome. Now, I want to mention here too, what you said to follow for, was it for social media? What was the woman's name? Oh, Caitlin Batcher. Uh, okay. B-A-C-H-E-R. Cool. Because I want to put that in the show notes. And then you mentioned another woman earlier. Was that for marketing or what was? Ash Amberger. Yeah. She's definitely yeah. the person who, uh, yeah, popped my marketing cherry. So she's awesome. She's totally worth the middle she's finger project. Oh yeah. I read you made a comment about that somewhere. I saw a testimonial from her too on your page. Yeah. she's Cool. We'll have that in the show notes then also, because that is powerful. Now, do you have somebody for Facebook or are you learning Facebook? So Facebook for your uh, ads? ads, I have tried before and with very poor results. And I spent a lot of money on no return for very, very. So basically you can pay, you know, 30 cents for someone to come and sign up to your list, but they're never going to buy. So if you do that on a mass scale and you spend thousands and thousands of dollars, you've just invested into people who don't actually give a shit about you. So I recommend instead the person who I trust implicitly with Facebook ads who gets way better results than I've ever seen is Amanda Bond. Okay. And she runs something called the adstrategist.com. So she's been working with a lot of higher uh, people in this industry where you're selling courses, where you're you know selling membership sites and helping creative people like businesses, coaches, designers and stuff. She's worked with a lot of people like that. And so her Facebook ad strategy is really, really powerful and she's no bullshit. So I totally recommend her for your, for this podcast, by the way, Brian. Cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. We'll definitely link her in the show notes as well. No, the reason I had asked you on that, Hallie, is uh, I went to, I had the privilege to go to a event here in Phoenix where Damon John from Shark Tank was speaking and cool. I got to meet him, which was cool. And then a local guy, Joe Polish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a, a big direct or on uh, yeah, direct response marketer here locally who has a twenty five K group. Cool. Where he tra- yeah, he's got people like Richard Branson in it. He's got Ray Kurzweil. He's got Peter Diamandis from the X Project, you know, all those guys trying to go to space and yeah. just a, a huge networker and stuff. But at the the event, they had a Nicholas Kuzmich on there who just wrote a book called Give, and he spoke on there about Facebook advertising and how you need to give, and he was able to get some great re- uh, results for the two ladies that were putting the show on. So if you didn't have somebody, I was going to say it might be a resource to kind of check into and see what he's doing we're on Facebook advertising. I'll check it out. Yeah, so it's good stuff on there. All right, last question, Hallie. Yeah. Final message that you would want the mindset listeners to truly get about building and running a successful and sustainable online business. What would that be? Your Uh, final words you'd want to say that after all this great advice you gave, what do you really want to shake them by the shoulders and say, this is what I want you guys to know? Oh God. Uh, Feelings aren't facts. Follow the data. There you go. Short and sweet to the point. Also drink bullshit. There you go. That helps too. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks so much, Hallie. This has been great. Guys and girls listening, I dig into Hallie. Go to her website. Go to Evolve and Succeed. Do the booked, uh, be booked out challenge that she has. Take her up on it. She's not just funny and witty, but she knows her stuff. She's great with business. She has a knack for it. It's her superpower. She helps people get results. There's tons of testimonials on her website. If you guys want to build a real business, then Hallie is somebody that you want to follow. So 
I encourage you to highly look into it. We'll have all her information in the show notes. And until next time, guys, I wish you guys a brilliant life. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really and truly appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about developing a strong, successful mindset, then go ahead and subscribe by clicking the I'm in button below this podcast. Each week, I try to deliver great content that you can learn and apply immediately to help develop a better mindset so you can build a great online business and hopefully a better life. So if you like what we're trying to do here at The Marketer's Mindset, then help us spread the message and give us a rating and review on iTunes so we can help more online marketers. Lastly, I want to hear from you. So if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss or an online marketer that you would like us to interview, then send me an email to brian at themarketersmindset.com. Thanks again. I love you guys. And until next week, take care, and I wish you a brilliant life.